This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, welcome back to The Forging Table. The mission of Undaunted Life is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. At The Forging Table, you'll see a group of regular guys forging spiritual resilience by digging into God's Word, and we're welcoming all of you to come along on that journey with us. That's Eric, that's Ryan, that's Matt. Guys, we have dug into Galatians 1 and Galatians 2, and I'm getting the sense as we get into Galatians 3 that there might be some disagreements here. I see Matt's like rolling up his sleeves here. (laughs) Ryan's already had his sleeves rolled up like Browning. I guess we're just going to sit here and watch these two duke it out. But guys, I mean, I guess, you know, Galatians 3 is pretty straightforward. Everyone kind of agrees on everything inside of Galatians 3. There's not a whole lot of debate on Galatians 3, is there? No, I, no, I, I don't think that I actually have a disagreement with Ryan. Well, that's not going to lead to good, you know, content. Think, we need some arguments I here. I think I have a disagreement with the way the the wider church interprets some of Galatians three. Right. So I think I think Ryan probably falls in the same camp as I do. It's like, man, this seems to be a a book of the Bible that people like really like to hang their hats on, and for like sometimes I just like, ugh. One verse they hang their hand. Yeah, if it, true, true. But do we need to just go right into the one verse? I mean, we could go to the right verse or into that verse and talk about complementarianism <laughs> and egalitarianism if you guys want to. I mean, might as well. I mean, we, we've got, you know, roughly an hour to dig into everything but that's here. I, we might as well get into I the stuff. I definitely want to look at 7 through 14 because that's uh, penal substitutionary atonement, which some of our critics will call cosmic child abuse. So. <laughs> If you listen to NT Wrong, I think is what uh, John MacArthur calls him. Oh, man. Is that what John MacArthur? Yeah, John MacArthur, our buddy. He called him NT Wrong? Called him NT Wrong. I'm starting to think John MacArthur doesn't like anybody. Because obviously, you know, Matt hates Tim Tebow. Apparently, I hate John MacArthur, even though I'm sitting here reading his commentary. You can throw in NT Wrong and Ryan Zand for me. I I say let's start from the... I think we'll get there. Let's start start from the beginning, because I think think that's probably the best thing to do. That's my opinion, though. Lead us off. Go ahead, Matt. By faith or by works of the law. I think it just, Paul goes, he kind of just continues with what he's talking about, you know, having like, we are not justified by our works. And then he, that now he's going back to admonish the, the, the Galatians again, like you, like calling them foolish. Like he straight, straight away, right in opening a three, he's, he's going right back to you guys are, are foolish. Who bewitched you? Well, and yeah, the interesting word choice here in the ESV, I don't know what it is. Uh, what, what is everybody reading? So I have ESV. I'm ESV. 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 Bring NIV. My, NIV. Okay, so is the word time. bewitched in NIV? Okay. So in verse 1, 3, 1? Yes. Okay, so what an interesting word, because he hasn't used that word yet in this letter, but it's just like, you know, he's, it's taken him almost like a couple of, of chapters. Again, he didn't write these in, in chapters. You know, we broke them up later, but calling them foolish. Like, it's, he's not basically saying, yeah, you know, you guys are confused or you, you were kind of like caught off guard and, you know, it's okay. Like, so you are fools. And it's like, who bewitched you? Like, who, who convinced you that you should act in this way? So, like, dude, that, that horse is dead and he's still beating this well, thing. And uh, I'm here for it. I think it kind of goes back to his, his uh, rebuking of Peter. Like, these, these people have, have obviously they've heard the gospel. He's, he's spoken into them. He's told them you know, about Christ and Christ crucified. And, and it's, it's almost like I, you can hear him shaking his head. Like, I cannot believe that you guys have fallen for this false teaching. 
And I like in, in verse three. So again, he's kind of keeping this whole, you know, are you so foolish? But then he goes, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And so this again, kind of goes back to everything from Galatians one and Galatians two, to where it's like, okay, like this was a spiritual transformation. Now you're trying to add a bunch of physical stuff. You're trying to add a bunch of stuff that, that we didn't talk about. And it's like, again, we have to kind of remember like who's in charge of this. This is Peter. He walked around with Jesus. Like, you know, Paul never, he wasn't ever of an apostle of Jesus. Like he, he met him on the road to Damascus, you know, more of an, uh, you know, kind of a spiritual way. And so that's the interesting thing. Like, I, I guess it makes me feel better when I mess up. Like whenever I read the Bible and like apply it wrongly, it's like, dude, Peter was walking around with the word of God and like still mess this up. Like he still didn't get the point. Do we know how long, how, how long after the, uh, I guess this was supposed to be written in 49 AD and we're assuming Jesus uh, died in 33 AD. So it, it had been a while. So I guess, you know, 16 ish years, but still, I mean, you would think that that would have been sticky enough for, for Peter and the Judaizers not to add a bunch of stuff, you well, know? But I mean, again, the whole Bible is chock full of stories where like Moses literally leads the Israelites out of Egypt. And then they're like, can we go back? We were slaves, but like, at least we were eating good food. And it's like, it wasn't even that long. So like they're like, we, as a people are just, we always want to turn, we always want to turn back or turn a different way. And it's like, I think that's just, doesn't matter. It could be five seconds. We want, and like, I feel like sometimes this, this is written to me, like verse, verse three, like, are you so foolish? Have me begun by the spirit. Like I'm, I'm, I have faith and I have, I have the spirit of Christ, but then I want to go do works and I want to be good. And it's like, even I think this letter could be written to, to us in modern times. And yeah. I mean, I, I think it is, but like, it's so interesting how I think a lot of times we want to go, man, those people, those Galatians, those are, they were so stupid, but then we don't look in the mirror and go, oh man, I do that. Yeah. And what a, <laughs> what a testimony too, of just the uh, validity of the Bible that again, you, uh, you look at it and go, man, this, the Bible is really embarrassing for the human race. <laughs> you know, yeah. why, why would this be made up, sure. you know? And, uh, you know, cause it's, and you look at these people just falling left and right, left and right. Of course, all need the grace of God. Yeah, so. and, that, and that, that speaks to the truth, I think, but like God using broken people, and it's not just this guy who does everything right. He's on a shiny mm-hmm. horse, and he's, you know, never never puts a foot wrong. It's, you know, David, <laughs> yeah, like a really mm-hmm. terrible person working for the glory of God. So, so I need to point this out. Oh, well, right. I was about to point this out. It had been about four minutes since you last said something, Ryan. And so it's like, I don't know if this was like, you were building up, like, were you charging up? Cause it seemed like you were kind of letting us talk and let us kind of figure some things out. I mean, if you want to, I've been told go ahead I, and burn I it down, in, you know, but, uh, I want to, I just sometimes like to sit back and listen. No, forget <laughs> easing know? in. We don't yeah. ease in here. Like, let's just, let's go for it. Hop I was in. actually thinking about our last conversation yeah. uh, in chapter two, where you asked about, you know, the guy who did good things and by conscience, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, look at this verse here in uh, verse two of uh, chapter three, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith, with faith, you know? So I've done all these good things, supposedly. Hmm. Have I received the spirit? Has that guy received the spirit that you talk about? No, he hasn't. Why? Because he hasn't believed by faith. And so I think that's one thing that we've got to look at is how do we get to that faith? You know, how did we, how do we become that, you know, come to that faith. And then what happened with that faith? We were, we, we received the spirit and that spirit is not the cultural conscience of what I was before. Now I've turned myself around and now I believe in the spirit of God who's 
which is in his word, that brings me to the faith that I believe today. So, um, people were bewitched. They were bewitched by good deads. They were doing themselves. Swindled. By, you know, Mm. telling self-pride. I mean, that's what legalism is. Just self-pride. It's like, look at me. I'm a better Christian than you are. Yeah. You know, this might be a little bit too philosophical. And if it is, I mean, because there's a lot here in Galatians 3, so I don't want to get too, too far off on any tangents, but why, like, why do we get bewitched? Because if we believe in the truth of the gospel, if we believe in, there's no more important truth in the history of humanity than the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that was a propitiation for our sin debt. Like how could, I guess I just don't understand how we could like, allow that to be defiled. And I guess that, that gets into the nature of man and then the nature of the individual. But as you sit there and think about it, I'm not so naive as to think that if I were back there in those times that I wouldn't have been hanging out with the Judaizers as well. Like, I'm not so naive because you hear these people all the time. Like, they'll be like, oh yeah, if I were in, you know, Germany in the 1930s and 40s, like I never would have supported Hitler. I never would have been a brown shirt. I never would have, you know, supported anyone wearing jackboots. It's like, bro, no. Like read the book, Ordinary Men, about these guys that were just literally ordinary dudes. And then they ended up being people, I think they were, they were, were Polish dudes that ended up like systematically helping murder millions of Jews, right? Not these individual guys, but they were part of that entire machine. It's like we have this, uh, I guess, C.S. Lewis would call it, you know, chronological snobbery where we just look back on these old timey people and like, we just kind of dismiss them. And it's like, no, if you were back in that day, somehow, some way it would make sense in your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood of Christ. Yeah, that, that's all good. But also circumcision, but also these dietary restrictions and things like that. I just, how the heck do we get there? Like, well, how does that happen? I think- I, I, yeah, it's just because the sole purpose of the ruler of this world is to kill, still, and destroy. It has no other purpose other than to do that. And so he's, he's going around trying to do that very thing and using confusion and, and all, <clears throat> all the time. I'm, I, you know, does he ever take a day off? No, no. And it means you can't take a day off. I, I, I think about like my input of God's word and my, um, my just thoughts in general, like where do my thoughts go whenever I have nothing to think about? They should go to God. Um, but, but in general, like what I see in our culture is all the cult- cultural cues and the, um, uh, the trickery and all that is like a massive waterfall. It's all the time. It's everywhere. It's on billboards. It's in, on your phone. It's on the TV. It's in the things you read. It is coming at you all the time. And I think it's the same thing. If I told you that two plus two is, is five for the next 10 years, maybe I could start to convince you if I, it was really persuasive about that, you know? Um, so I, I think probably what, what, what needs it, practically in our lives, we don't want to have a trickle on the other side of this where I read my Bible like once a, a month, you know, whatever. Mm. Otherwise you are just setting yourself up to be lied to and to start to believe those lives. What did the devil do in the garden? He twisted the truth. Twisted the truth. What did, how did he do it? Did, did God it, really say, right. Did God really Question say this. Yeah. You, know, you could be like God. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's what gets us. And I think we, we forget that. Well, we forget that God is more powerful than we are, you know, and this goes back to Calvinist message, you know what I'm saying? It's like God's sovereignty. We have this ability in our bodies that just wants us to do it on our own, you know, to be on our own. It's just, it's just the human nature of us is like, I, I can do this on my own. I can do this, but giving something up and allowing somebody to take something else from you, 
it's hard to do. You well, know, we're, like, yeah, we're so bent inward. My wife's like, hey, let me help you change the baby's diaper. And I'm like, no, 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 I got this. I got this. I'm dry. <laughs> but it's on your that, face. But yeah. like, is that more of a question of the expectation that we can do it all versus we can do some? Because I think that comes back to the problem that people have with some of the strict Calvinist mm-hmm. theology, which is like, no, 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 we, we get that Christ did like he, he died for our sins. Like, you know, that, that's, that is the message of the gospel, but we don't do nothing. Like we, we have to do something in order to receive it. Like we have to believe that like believing is an action thing. And that kind of gets later on in, in think, verse three or think, chapter three. I think what, what it comes down to us is, is it believing? Cause like we have to believe first before we repent. I think the next thing is repentance. That's what you do. You repent from the life that you once lived and you're going, I'm going to change my mind. Menotonia, I think, is the Greek word for it. Change mm-hmm. of mind. I'm going to change my mind, and I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to do a complete 180. I'm going to live, live as Christ. So Christ, Christ died, in, you know, or I died to Christ. I died to self, you know. And so I think the thing that we do is repentance. I think God opens our eyes to the gospel, and we see the true beauty of it. And then from seeing that beauty, our action is repentance. Well, a slight but, aside before you guys hop in here. Uh, that was the first time a Greek word was used on the forging table. So all of those ticks that we have for all the things that you've done wrong so far, those have been absolved, uh, predestinately uh, absolved in that way because you were the first uh, person to use Greek. But go ahead. Yes. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. Oh, dang it. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I messed it up. But I, that's, I guess what it comes to, uh, and we're going to probably unpack this a whole lot more, but when you get into verse 22 of Galatians 3, verse 22 is, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. That last word there, believe, it's like, okay, where you really start having theological arguments is what do you mean by believe? Because some people see believe as an action verb, like, oh, I believe that right? Based on what? Oh, and then you can kind of explain why you believe those things. And other people would say, it's like, no, no, no. Belief was given to you. Like you don't believe anything. Belief was given to you, which again, kind of goes back. I I think I already mentioned C.S. Lewis, but when C.S. Lewis talked about mere Christianity, creating a world full of automatons is not a world worth creating. And that was basically going back to the idea that creating a world without sin also creates a world without the potential for love because you can't be forced to love. And so I think that's where people get into the belief side. It's like, if you were given that belief, then it seems like, why would that gift only be given to certain people? But I think when it comes to C.S. Lewis and when he's trying to bring about his free will, and we still do have free will, I have free will to listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, like you have free will to listen to the Holy Spirit. Like I could come, all right, my child just made me angry. I could lose my temper, cuss, and do whatever I you know, want to do to make my fleshly desire feel better about my anger right now, or I can listen to the Holy Spirit and handle it in the right way. That's my free will. I now have, I've had free will whether to sin, to murder somebody, or not to murder somebody. I think that's what he talks about with automatons, not, ma- not basically on salvation, because our job is to get the message out there. We're not changing anybody's hearts. Our, we're, we're, the, we're the garden that you, we're, we're the, the seed planters. You know, we're not, we're not the water. We're not the growth. That's, that's God. That's the message is out there. Now let God work on them. So Ryan, when, when do you think that someone receives the Holy Spirit? Is it prior to their conversion or is it afterwards or at the time of? I think at the time of, I would say after repentance. So there's belief and there's repentance. And then I think repentance comes because you receive the Holy Spirit because now you're seeing life in a different light and you're seeing like, all right, these are the ways uh, of, of, of Christ, and I need to follow them. 
compared to how life before. So I think the Holy Spirit comes at belief. So yeah. So I, I, honestly, like you, you've given me a really good thing to think about because it's like maybe, maybe before that belief, maybe you are being hit with the Holy Spirit. Like God is putting the Holy Spirit in you, and now you're seeing the gospel for what it really yeah, is. The illumination. Yeah, your yeah. eyes are opened, and then you repent. So mm. I mean, that's. I would love to. Go a little bit deeper on that one. Yeah, sometime. yeah, it's, yeah. It's a sounds like a podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think now's a, a good time. I was, this is what I was going to say earlier. I'll, I'll change it a little bit um, to fit it in here. But like, it, I think it's the daily, the daily repentance, the daily dying to oneself. And and I say that knowing that I don't even, I don't do that every day. But like, and I think Paul gets so frustrated here in in chapter three because clearly they're not daily repenting they are they are and I, and again the bible is chock full of stories where you know one day we're like god is the best i will never i will never worship any other god and then hey let's let's make a golden cow statue and it's like you have to you have to have that daily death that daily repentance and i think that's why getting into the word is so important because we are in constant need of a reminder that we are depraved sinners. Yeah, and, yeah, and don't you think most of us, uh, or, or many believers, are waking up in the morning and not putting on the armor of God? Oh, for yeah, sure. They're just walking yeah. around naked. I think. I think for a lot of people, this whole thing about oh yeah yeah I, I yeah I believe yeah great and that's it that's all they need it's it's the the call the 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 altar call is is the moment like that's it and once the altar call is over I'm good yeah it's. And I don't think anybody would call it a get out of jail free card. I think that's how a lot of people well, act. I feel like a lot of people treat. Yeah. A lot and of people, how, if you come from that background, a lot of people treat it that way for sure. Well, so it begs the question is, so is it, is it free will? Do we have free will with everything except for salvation? So, so keep that in mind. Cause I'm going to read the actual thing from your Christianity that I was okay. referring to with CS Lewis. So I found it here. God created things which had free will. That means creatures which can go either wrong or right. Some people think that they can imagine a creature which was free but had no possibility of going wrong. I cannot. If a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. A world of automata or automatons of creatures that worked like machines would hardly be a world worth creating. The happiness which God designs for his higher creatures is the happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight compared with which the most rapid love between a man and a woman on this earth is mere milk and water. And for that, they must be free. And so that's where I think people are kind of going to where it's like, okay, do we have free will in the morning to put on the armor of God or not? Do we have free uh, will or not to pray for our neighbors? Is it that we have free will and everything? And this isn't necessarily a challenge. It's just kind of throwing it out to everybody. Mm -hmm. Do we have free will and everything except for our salvation? Because again, I go back to whenever uh, John MacArthur wrote that open letter to uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. In the final paragraph, he was admonishing and basically begging Governor Gavin Newsom to accept Christ, but everything in that final paragraph were like action verbs, like he needed to do something. It wasn't like, I hope this is revealed to you. I hope you're part of the elect. I hope you're chosen. And that's where I feel like people, you know, if you read Galatians 3 through that lens, you're only going to hear the things that sound electy or non-freewheely or, or something like that. Does that make sense? I, I hear what you're saying, but I, if you think about it this way, is you, you've got to think about we are depraved. Like, 
we are so depraved. What makes you think that we could see God and know his goodness if we we're so depraved? You know, like that's how far does our free will go? You know what I'm saying? Like I've had free will, but sometimes I do the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? So like how far does our free will go? You know, and when it comes to salvation, like I think it's something we can discuss over cigars and, and whiskey. And we, we do that many times and I get admonished a lot. So, you know? But, you know, and it, but my thing is, is like. I, I we go back to your analogy. Was it was it the first episode where you talked about the man in the water who's drowning? And then we had the watchman Neem where the man in the water is drowning. You know, like that hand could come out, but I don't know what that hand is. What if I don't know what a hand? You know what I'm saying? I don't know that that's going to save me. What if that hand that's coming out just keeps pushing me down? I want a God that's going to come after me. You know, if you know, we can get into election, and I know that's a sore subject for a lot of people, but you see a lot of election through the Bible. I mean, look at the Jews. The Jews were an elected people. You know, the Jews and the Moabites weren't elected. The, Philist- the Philistines weren't elected. You know what I'm saying? And the Jews weren't picked because they were awesome. Yeah. You know, they were picked because of faith. You know, and so, um, I, 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 you know, this is something that we, we can talk about and, and discuss, but I just, when it comes down to salvation and it comes down to the goodness of God, I think that your eyes, you know, that beauty needs to be open to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think I'm through my depravity. I can actually see that beauty of what, what Christ did on the cross for me. I mean, I didn't, I was a cultural Christian in name only. Mm. Why did Jesus die on a cross? Uh, he died on the cross to save me from my sins. Well, what happened to you when you died? And we can get in that with that through verse uh, 7 through 14. You know, what did he die? Why did he die on the cross? He died on the cross to take on the wrath of God. Because what, is, what does God hate the most of? Sin. What was brought into this world? Sin. Why did they sacrifice innocent animals with no blemishes? Why? Because they were a sacrifice to God. And Christ was that ultimate sacrifice. The beauty in that that he walked this earth and fulfilled the law that we can't fulfill. We, nobody will ever be that perfect. And he drank from the cup of God's wrath. Drank the full cup. Drank the full cup yeah. and died on the cross for our sins. Like, that's a beautiful thing. And even as a person who's probably gone up to that altar call three or four times, it wasn't until I was 24 years old that I figured that out. You know? And so that's where I'm thinking, like, your eyes need to be open. I think yeah, it's it's definitely a subject that is worth you know a long time to discuss, or could be given a long time to discuss. There are verses in there in the Bible that that talk about. I mean, Revelations talks about name being written in the book before before the beginning of time. It's not uh, that's not a quotation, obviously, but that's the, but basically a paraphrase. Like your the elect's name is, is is written in the book of life before the beginning of time. God foreknew all who would be chosen, and those are some really, <laughs> some tough. really, those it's some a, really hard things yeah. to to navigate. It's through, tough so. to wrap your head around. Yeah, yeah you I'm, know? I'm just thinking, like, uh, just trying to think analog- analogously. Like, I'm I'm running away, and then I hear a voice, and I stop, and turn around, and realize there's something amazing behind me. At that moment, I think that's where it's like. To me, it's like, well, do I have the choice to just turn back around and just keep going away, or I have the choice of turning around and walking towards that thing? That's, but but then know. what goes into your mind to make you want to turn? So it's really interesting. Like, I think of, 
Jesus calling Lazarus out of the tomb. Like he didn't really have a choice. Like he said that so forcefully, Jesus did. Like Lazarus didn't even, he didn't really have a choice but to just come back out. That's kind of how I But in that, that moment, situation. Lazarus was dead. He was yeah. non-sentient. So he couldn't, he didn't feel the surroundings, do anything. He had to obey because he had no, he literally had no other choice. So that's, I guess, the thing with, with your analogy is like, okay, if someone's running after you, like, are you being turned around or are you turning around? Because one is something else is compelling you to do that. But, and so, but, but back to your thing, Ryan, it's like, I guess the question is like, what would make you want to turn around? So that's more of an ethereal question. Whereas most people are asking like, who is doing the turning? Is it me choosing to turn around? Because dude, that, that gets so much farther into like a Sam Harris type guy to where it's like, or, you know, uh, you know, Dawkins, like, Hey, we're just dancing to our DNA. Like this was, this was, it can be foreknown, but it could still be a choice because in every other area of life we can choose. But in this one very specific area, we had no choice in the matter that that's where I think really people but, run aground. But think, on it. but think about that story. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a really good, we're all dead. Yeah. We're all like dead. Lazarus is dead, but we're all dead. But he's like really dead though. No, I know, yeah. but, but that's <laughs> like, no, like that's, dead, but that's <laughs> the yeah. point. Like we are all really dead. Spiritually dead. We are Correct. spiritually I'm with dead. You. Like a, I'm with like you. a, like a sack of bones doesn't have any idea that there's weight on it. Does that mean the weight isn't on it? Like a dead person doesn't know that it's doing something wrong or that there's something weighing it down because it's dead. That doesn't make it any less dead. Like we're dead to our sin in Christ, but we, were, we are dead. It, okay. It, it, spiritually. Well, let me ask you, like, stay in that vein. So let's talk about faith. So uh, I'm trying to think of a scientific example. So let's say you, you didn't believe in gravity for whatever reason because you didn't know what gravity was. Like you had no concept of gravity. You knew that if you jumped up, you came back down. You didn't know that was called gravity. But then someone teaches you about gravity. Okay. They, they tell you what it is. They go through all the stuff. They write on the chalkboard, all that. So now you know gravity. So now you're putting your faith in the gravity that you know, because it's been revealed to you by a teacher of some kind. This is what gravity is. Okay. And this is why whenever you jump up, you don't keep going. You come right back down. And so if somebody spreads the gospel, because this goes and gets in like, why do Calvinists even like spread the gospel? It's either you're elect or not. Like why even tell someone about it? But it's just like at the same time, like when you have these individuals, if someone explains to you your, your full depravity, if they give you a full throated uh, exposition of the gospel and they give that to you and you go, wow, like not necessarily an emotional change, but maybe an intellectual change where it's like, oh crap. Yeah. I'm definitely fully depraved. I'm going to repent. I'm going to choose to repent. I'm not going to be just, you know, moving around amoeba like in, in turned into a repenter, but it's like, I'm going to choose to repent and I'm going to choose to start studying the Bible. I'm going to choose to start, you know, developing these fruits and things like that. That's where I feel like, again, is somebody turning the runner around or is the runner deciding to turn around because it's like, they've learned about their faith. Now, people start talking about the muse. So people that don't really have a Christian worldview, they talk about the, the muse, right? And so it's like, how did I know to write that next sentence? Or how did I know to bring this character into my novel? The muse told them, right? And so it's kind of hard to define exactly what that is. But whenever you're told something and then all of a sudden it clicks and you understand it, like, is that you? Is that, is that your soul? Is that something else that's happened inside of you? Again, this, this can get real philosophical and go completely off the rails really quick, but go, go ahead. And I think this is where Eric kind of changed my mind in regards to where salvation starts. Okay. Um, I think once you hear that message. So go ahead and repeat what you said in case any of the listeners okay. missed it earlier. Um, I, oh. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, my question, yeah. what you've been talking about my question. Yeah, in regards when, to salvation. When do you receive the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Before, at the time, or after? after. Correct. Now so go ahead. I say before. I would, I would actually almost agree before because that's what's opened your eyes. That's what made you click. That's what makes you want to turn around and repent. So God has worked that Holy Spirit into you. You know, he's, he's given you now that gift because now you understand the gospel. 
So, I mean, if we look at what happened to, um, with Paul, you know, when he was out in the desert, you know, Christ came to him blinded, you know, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, like he knew something. He was like, now I believe. And then somebody came along and unblinded him, you know, and then he went out in the desert. He didn't go and talk to Peter. He didn't go and talk to James. He went out into the desert and the Holy Spirit fed him the word, you know, through Christ Jesus. So I would say you get, I would say it happens before. I mean, that would be, what would you say? Yeah, that, that's a hard call. I mean, that I, I, I kind of land on that side too. It's just mind blowing to think about it you know, that that's how that would work. You know, it's to me, it's like trying to understand the trilogy. It's just, I mean, the tri- trilogy. Trilogy. which one? Which Trinity? One? Yeah. <laughs> Are we talking lethal weapon? Yeah. Here? <laughs> Definitely lethal yes, weapon. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, just trying to understand the Trinity, you know, and like how that, like that, that blows my mind too. So how, understanding my own salvation, it's, it's just, it's like, man. Well, you see, know, I don't feel like the Trinity is hard to understand. It's hard for a Muslim to understand because well, they're, just because of their paradigm for how they look at things. But like uh, one God, like, but in three persons, like one, one entity, one being, but in three persons. 100% like, though, you know. It's, it's yeah, like, like but it's it, so it, like, that's about as easy for me to understand it as, as it is easy for me to see Jesus as 100% Lamb of God, 100% Lion of Judah, 100% grace, 100% truth. But like, th- this seems like something entirely different. And I guess this is the, the struggle that I have is, you know, why, if you are a strict Calvinist, why would you share the gospel? And most people would just say, oh, it's because we're told we're supposed to. And then it's like, but like, is that just kind of like... Because God told us to do it, we should do it because he told us to. And go ahead. As a strict Calvinist, you know, a five-point Calvinist, right? I still think you should share the gospel because how are your eyes going to be opened if you don't hear it? You know what I'm saying? So, like, if, But they just, were elect already. And I can already feel the emails coming away. Yeah. Every, way I, <laughs> yeah. every time I talk about this, <laughs> no, no. the long emails I get. But go but, ahead. But how are they going to hear the gospel? You, we're talking about the seed sower here. You know what I'm saying? Our job is to sow the seed. You know, so if you've been elected, like written in the Lamb's book of life, and you've never heard the gospel, at some point you're going to hear the gospel and you're going to believe. But how are you going to, how are you going to hear it? Yeah, you're going to respond to it. But how are you going to hear it? So that's our job. Our job is to go get it out there because it's like, it's like how many times have you shared the gospel with somebody? A lot. A lot. And then have you, has everybody been saved by who you talk to? Of course not. Of course not. You know, because some are elected, some are not. You know what I'm saying? And so, so what you're saying, some of them had no shot. They had no chance whatsoever to receive it. I, you know what? Cause that's it's, when, it's, when it's that's really what you're saying. Hard, it's a that... really hard pill to swallow, but yes, that's what yeah. I believe. So this, so this is, this is a thing that's like, it's so deep. And I think that is why the seeker church model exists because like, even as someone who's, who's been a faithful Christian for 10 years, 20 years, like this is still a hard thing to understand. Why would someone who just came to Christ be even ready or willing to think about this, let alone try to understand it? And so like, it's, it's a really hard thing to grasp. And I, I think there's a lot of churches out there that don't even want to try. And I think we serve a God who can literally do whatever he wants. I mean, we, I mean, I don't think we can definitively come to the answer on that here um, about what that does, but man, it's so fun to talk about like all these things. Um, but uh, what I was going to say is like, that, I think that's why, or one of the reasons why this, these churches that, that are a mile wide and an inch deep exist is because there's, there's some things in here 
they're really hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get into it, you'll never you like you you can't just open up a Bible and and look at look at uh, look at the back and, and look up Trinity. Like you can't do that. You've got to understand the word. You've got to know what that means. You've probably got to open up some sort of theological study on that. So um, that's why reading the Bible is so important. So you can understand. And even going that. back to the Trinity, there's no. The, the word Trinity, doesn't the word Trinity not like even appear in the Bible? Like no. someone was saying, well, it was several hundred years later before anyone ever like, you know, talked about that. But the same thing, like in Islam, the, the Tahid or the Shahada or things like that, those things aren't explicit in, in the Quran, but the extrapolation of the truths inside or not the truths for that, but like the contents of the Quran would lead to those things. Same thing. Like if you study the scriptures, old and new Testament, you get the concept of the Trinity. It's, it's clearly there. And so that's where you get into the, it would be a whole lot easier if, you know, first Jesus one, one told you exactly, you know, this is exactly what you need to do or not do or elect or not elect. Or if it was just very, very clear, because that's the thing that I've seen Ryan with a lot of these, these debates, whether it's a Calvinist and an Armenianist or a Calvinist and anybody else, like they're going to have people that here are my 10 lists of scriptures in context that say I'm right. And then the other person also has 10 that are in context that say that they're right. And so, I don't think it's foolish for a table like this to 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 be talking about because it's important. It, it yeah. gives us some important food for thought. <clears throat> My concern is for the person that isn't as advanced, not mm-hmm. to say that we're all like super advanced, but it isn't as experienced with this content to be like, how do you, because I've asked this of Calvinists before and they can't answer it, but I'm like, in 30 seconds or less, how is somebody saved? And people just launch into these big, long explanations about uh, how they're saved and all that. And it's just kind of like, no, no, like, Get you. We're in an elevator. You got to share the gospel. We have. Yeah, okay, I can Two see. Two words: helps. belief, repentance. That's how you're saying. So we're we're talking Romans ten nine and ten. Is that enough? I'm gonna have to go back. So, but who's repenting? Believe in repentance. So you hit with belief. You believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins, and, and like as a robot would, when you turn them on, you just start repenting. Repentance just happens. I think that's a really, that's a, that's a really simplistic way to look at it. Like we serve a God who is so powerful, like more, like mortal people can't even be in God's presence. And so like, and I'm not, I don't know where I'm, I'm I'm probably between the two of you on this, uh, where I land, but like we serve a God that is so powerful that like Moses was not even allowed to see God. And so like, Though the, the Holy Spirit is so powerful, like it's not a robot, but it's like, how, what other response could you have to the creator of the universe than to turn around and repent because you have seen that the king of the universe, the one holy God, has opened your eyes to the truth. Like what other reaction? Here's the thing. What other response could somebody have? I've asked the same question about people that saw Jesus do miracles in the name of the Father. And they didn't all become believers, right? So, that, so that's the thing where I struggle is like, I'm with you because I, I saw no, someone- that, That's what makes it so hard. Right. Like, I, I saw this, this uh, it was some TikTok dude who just became a Christian like two years ago. And he's like, he's, he knows so much about theology and all these other different things because he's like, I discovered that whenever I saw the truth of God and I, I believe God, I was like, nothing else is more important than this. And so I'm going to give this all my time and attention. But it's kind of the same thing people that walked with Jesus, saw Jesus, saw the things that he did in God's name, and they didn't believe. They walked away, away as unbelievers. So it's like, it's very easy to see how someone could see the power and grandeur of God and not respond to it. But it's like, why? Why didn't they respond to it? Did they choose not well, to, or were they just not elect? 
why did why did Pharaoh, who saw the grandeur of God, right. do anything? Yeah. What did God do? He hardened his heart. Hardened his heart. Yeah. So God hardens people's hearts. You know? I mean, as bitter pill to swallow, an election is real. Well, that's, and I think that's where, that, that's where I think sometimes people come into this cosmic child abuse yeah. like theory and like this belief because you don't want to believe in a God who would let bad things happen of to, good, to good people. Yeah. And I mean, and I, that's, I think that's incorrect. And I think we would all agree that like bad things don't happen to good people because there aren't any good people. But right. like that, like that is where people get to that belief of like, man, yeah. there are people well, that are going to be in hell. Yeah. I don't I want mean, to serve a God that, that's going to do that. There's going to be people who didn't smoke, drink, or cuss that are going to be in hell. You know what I'm saying? It's um, going to be full of good people. I had to talk with my five or seven year old. You know, we were going over the Reformation uh, a while back. And, um, yeah, he just basically asked. We were singing uh, Martin Luther's uh, hymn that he wrote. I have to look that up. But um, basically, what came about was um, there was a part in there about about God. I'm gonna I'm gonna should have. Well, go ahead and look it up because I yeah. think Browning, you're one to Browning, hop in on this as well. Oh gosh, no! I oh I, you I, want I, nothing to do with I this? I really don't person. want. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'm I'm just sitting here struggling. I guess I was just. The thought that was going through my head was, um, gosh, you know, what if, what if two of my three children are, are not elect? You know, like, what? Yeah. Like, uh, what, what am I doing? You know, absolutely. Uh, me, me and Caitlin have had that conversation. Yeah. It just, it's so hard. I, it's I just, hard. golly, I just feel like it, there's something, there's a mystery. Obviously, there's a mystery to it that we're just not, I don't know that we're going to really understand it fully well, and, until. And, it's, and it, when you understand that God doesn't have grandchildren. Like he only has children. Like we don't, we don't get to like impute our faith, impute our faith yeah, and right. our election on our kids. Like that has to be, that's theirs. And that, that's a tough one too of like, man, there's a chance both my kids could be in hell. Like, man, that's, that's a really scary thing to think about. It, the scary thing to think about that too is, you know, we disciple our children. Our children, you know, we're called a disciple, you know, uh, and great commission. but at home, we need to start out with our children. And so the sad part is if we disciple our children and they away from that, you know what I'm saying? Why did, you know, and yeah. then that's where election hits even harder. Well, you know what I'm saying? I think, I think this is like some really like high level theological things, but like you, I don't think you get to really discuss this if you, if you aren't grounded in what Paul's talking about in Galatians, that justification is through faith alone. Cause if you can't get there, like you can't, who's elect like all of that stuff but like goes it goes in different directions that is hard that's hard to to grasp if you don't understand this fundamental truth yeah and that's the thing like i don't look at my my son is saved like he's he's believed and repented you know he's going to be baptized soon you know i don't i don't go and like oh you know i don't think my daughter's elected or i don't look at that you know i'm like oh you have salvation you're elected i really just don't look at election that way like it's something to argue about and talk about but I don't look at like, all right, that person just got saved, so they're elected. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't pop in my mind when yeah. somebody's saved. Well, you know this, what I'm saying? The, this question comes to mind. It goes back to what you're talking about, Eric. But then it goes to, to your thing as well. And obviously, you know, it, you and I know each other. You know I'm not challenging you on this. But like, <laughs> since you brought Will up as an example, how do you, as an observer of Will, know that he has faith and that he has repented? So that's the other thing. Again, this, that may or may not be related. But anytime anyone... Much less a child. How old is he? Seven? Seven. Okay. Well, like, how, how do you know as dad 
Because I remember, I, I think I mentioned Tim uh, Challies on a previous podcast, but I asked him about, you know, kids and salvation, all those types of things. And one of his, the things that he mentioned is he's like, you know, he's like, absolutely, kids can be saved. But what the church should do and what their family should do is wait to baptize them to mm-hmm. to make sure to, to see that there, there's fruit and, mm-hmm. and actual. So like in how how do you feel comfortable knowing that he indeed is what you would call elect or what some people would call saved or something like that. What, like, what have you seen? Cause I'm curious as a, as a father of a two-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, as, as my oldest child, it's like, you know, I, I, I can only see if he's peed his pants or not in the last hour. Like that's all I can really see about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Will, Will's grown, you know, he, he asks the questions and that's one way to get in here. Um, you know, a mighty fortress is our God was Martin song or hymn that he wrote. And Will had a struggle. So we were, listening to the song and I was reading the words and there's a words so uh, to give some context to this song this is during the bubonic plague you know people were dying all around them you know it was a tough time and so the first verse is a mighty fortress is our God a bulwark never failing our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing for still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe his craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his and Will was like, what? God doesn't have any hate. God doesn't hate things. No, God is love. You know, God is all about good. You know, and I was like, God hates sin, son. I was like, what happened here is, this is during the bubonic plague. All this stuff is going on around them. People are dying. You know, and Luther is providing hope in this song that there is a mighty fortress through God, even through all this stuff you know, and through sin that God hates, he's still always going to prevail. You know, there's a sovereignty aspect, aspect to it. And so just hearing him ask those questions and then ask more questions in regards to that to finally come to a conclusion, okay, well, let's talk about sin. So then we talk about sin and we talk about his growth and you know, like, hey, you know, you, you're a believer, you know, you've repented. What did, why did you, you know, why do you, like I asked him before we even said the prayer, why do you want to pray? You know, and he told me, he's like, cause I know that I'm not a good person. I do these things to my sister. I think these things sometimes, and I just know that I need Christ Jesus in me, you know, and he'll, I mean, my seven year old, you know, substitutionary atonement with you. You know what I'm saying? Like we, you've grounded that in him. Like before he's going to be baptized, he's going to know why he's got to tell me why he wants to be baptized. And it's got to be the right reason to baptize, or he's not going to get baptized. You know, like I want him to have something to hold on to. But what was funny is I will tell you, like coming along the lines, he'll, he would want to, you know, say the prayer and become saved and believe. And we would go up that night. I'd be like, Hey, are you ready to do it? And he's like, no, I still have some more sinning to do. You know, this is as a, as a, like a six year old, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, he's like, I still got more. Cause it's just, look at that little mind and that he knows what he's doing is so serious and that it's going to change his life that he, he goes into it with, with white gloves on. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I want to do this, I want to do it right. You know what I'm saying? And then we had the conversation, you know, hey, buddy, you know, even when you do believe you're still going to sin, you're human. You know, but when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's that conviction of that sin. And that's sanctification, you know, and I had to talk with him about sanctification, you know. And so, you know, Three months, four months later, he brings it up again. We have the conversation. It's probably about a year later. He finally, you know, said the prayer, you know, so it just takes time. And that's the one thing that we got to remember is with all believers, there's going to be fruit, but there's also going to be times that we sin, 
you know, yeah. but it's how do we take that? You know, how, when our brother comes to us in that sin, are we combative, you know, or do we sit down and we listen and we try to change? And God, wants? so I don't know if that was a long rant. So well, all I know is that my girl knows words that are three syllables long. Your son, same age, knows words that are like 18 syllables long. That's something special. That is impressive. Well, he's, he's elect, so I don't know about here. So I just, <laughs> also, he's elected to be smarter, smarter than, than your kid. Ryan, yeah. Ryan said, let God do. And is that, yeah. is that even possible that you let him do anything? Let God? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> We're just constantly poking. We're poking. It's all good. Here. No, I appreciate getting into that just because I'm always curious about, about Christians because, again, if you didn't come from a Christian home, which I came from a, we live in Oklahoma, so we believe in God home, but we weren't a Christian home kind of a deal. And so it's like, how do you, how do you know, like when, when it's okay to start having some of those, those conversations and how do you know if they're understanding it at their level? Cause again, their brains aren't going to be fully developed for another two decades. And so it's like, what can they actually fully understand? But I appreciate that. Oh, that's uh, a really beautiful story. I like, I liked hearing that. That was, that was really cool. Well, and that's going to be helpful. And this is probably a good time uh, as an aside here. Like for those of you listening to this, there are going to be things that all of us say every time we come to the forging table that are going to be challenging to your paradigm for how you grew up, for the family that you grew up in, for the church that you first attended, the church that you're attending now, whatever theological uh, background that you have, whatever theological background that you don't have. And the, the thing that's so interesting about a conversation like this is all of us. So Eric, Ryan, Matt, and myself, and anyone else that's going to be sitting at this forging table, we're going to be kind of laying ourselves and our ignorance bare at different points. And I would, I mean, I would almost guarantee that at some point during these conversations, we're going to go back on something that we believed not that long ago. As I encourage you guys all the time is if you look back on who you were five years ago and you're not at least somewhat embarrassed, that means you are not developing as a human being. And the same is true with, with your Christian walk and with your understanding of the scriptures and theology and different things like that. And so uh, just to, to anybody that's like mad at anybody at the table for something that they said, just like we're, we're, allowing you to be a part of this conversation as we go in and try to further understand the scriptures. Because I don't know about with you guys, the first time I read Galatians 3 this time around, nothing really landed with me. And maybe it's because I was just distracted with Galatians 2. But then it wasn't until I kind of went back through when I heard Johnny Cash say it and whenever he read it and things like that, like then things start to, to kind of come back out. Uh, one thing I did want to kind of come and talk to a little bit, because uh, we're, we're going to be kind of coming towards the end a little bit here, is getting into verse 19. And uh, it's 19 and 20. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by the intermediary or by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. So the thing that I think is interesting about that, because we've been talking about law, like for the last several weeks, we've been talking about law. You know, are we justified by law? Why is the law there to begin with? That was a very nice way of hearing about the law. Like the law was there for a time and a purpose. And then when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. Again, as he said, I'm, I'm going to ruin the, the quote, but he didn't come to basically get rid of the law. He came to fulfill it. And so I thought that that was an, an interesting thing that it's almost like a standalone line though. Like in Galatians three, at least it was to me, uh, verses 19 and 20 to basically start talking about why the law was there to begin with, because everything before that guys was, Hey, you know, you're not justified by this law, but then, you know, right towards the end of, uh, the third chapter, he starts saying like, Hey, this is, this is what the law is like, this is what it was for. And it's good for us to kind of understand that and put it in its right context. Yeah. And I, I just love, I love this chapter and it's, uh, it's cause it looks back to Genesis 15. You know, Abraham and God, they met, right? And God said, 
build an altar because um, I'm going to make a covenant. <clears throat> and we know that, you know, covenants were, you know, it's two parties, uh, you know, making an agreement, a, a covenant um, with one another um, and binding it through the sacrifice of an animal and basically saying, if I don't uphold my end of this, may what we've done with this animal be done to me. I mean, yeah. it was that serious. And uh, so it was so interesting. I just lo- I loved reading this because I was like so reminded of that moment when God went first, you know, passed through, um, and then nothing after that. Nothing. He didn't call Abraham to come and do his part. God took both parts. So he basically was saying, if I don't uphold my promise in this covenant, uh, then may I be torn apart like these animals. And if you, Abraham, and your descendants don't uphold your promise, may I be torn apart. You know, and that, that was the shadow. That was the, the prophecy, basically, in the, in the showing that Christ was coming. That, that was the gospel message yeah. right there in Genesis 15, and that was just, that's just beautiful I, to me. I think that's such a beautiful picture that like, it, even the gospel being preached to Abraham, as as we as we see here, of like this is what's going to happen, and like it's it like and I, that goes into like the the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament. There's no two separate gods, and what a what a really beautiful story that is. That's a great point, Eric. I think it's pretty cool if you look at verse twenty. It says now an intermediary implies more than one God. Is. So we, we've been talking about the Trinity, right? I mean, there's no better uh, way of looking at it. You know, that, you know, God was there with Abraham and then God was here with us through Christ. You know what I'm saying? And so we want to talk about cosmic child abuse, you know, it's like, did God basically abuse himself now? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the argument they make is, yeah, he sent his son to abuse him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so he sent himself as a son to abuse himself. You know what I'm saying? It's like, God sent himself to save us again, you know, and to save us from sin, you know? And I think that's the beautiful thing about it. So. Well, and then I think where he flows right into verse 21 is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. Mm-hmm. Again, it goes, it goes back to everything. It goes back to what we talked about last week, you know, at the very end of chapter two, verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Again, that's, that's, from which the entirety of the gospel hinges is, is basically on that, not that one scripture, but that reality that Paul talks about at the end of chapter two. But then right here, this is a very, very good thing to be like, again, how do we rightly categorize what the law was meant for and what the law is now? Because you do have people that go a little bit farther out on their skis when they say, oh, that's, uh, that's old covenant. We, we don't have to do that stuff anymore. That's old covenant. It's usually when they're making a more progressive argument. And by progressive, I mean in the modern parlance, which is to mean regressive, but like, it it is a very important thing to understand. Like the law is still important, even when the law became fulfilled. And it's at least important to understand that if you do read the old Testament, if you read through Genesis, you realize that this entire book is about one thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ, like that, that's ultimately what this is about. Everything somehow, even if it doesn't seem to make sense, points to that, that reality that we all have to basically center our lives on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and very practically, you might run into someone that says, you know, I'm a good person. I do good things. Why, why, not, not, why am I not going to go to heaven? Come on, prove it to me. You know, and, and, then, and the law exists because if you just go through those 10, you, you, have you ever lied? Have you ever disobeyed your parents? 
you know? You sound like Ray Comfort. Yeah. That's what I was like, that's like, where I thought you were going. Just, yeah. yeah. Like, that's right, bro. Yeah. So, I mean, boom, then you stand condemned. You know, that's, that is why the law exists. Yeah. To show us. It's a mirror. So yeah. before we end, because I know probably not much time left. No, go ahead. We, okay. we got as much time as we need to. Okay. Go ahead. Galatians 3.28. Let's just, get, <laughs> let's just get to it. Okay. So I have to ask you guys a question. Well, you, you can't, you got to read it and then, then I, ask the question. Right, yeah. Well, okay. let me ask the question. Okay. First, all right. You go. And for then it. I'll read it. Okay. okay. All right. All right, guys, what is Galatians about? Is it about salvation? This feels like a trick question. Yes, yeah, feels like a, like a trick question. <laughs> okay. like, I don't, I don't trust it. you right Forget now. I'm not going to. salvation. All right, Galatians is about salvation, isn't it? It is. It's, yeah, it's about our justification, justification comes from Christ yeah. and nothing else. Yeah, justification on, through Christ and salvation. Go on. So, Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. This has nothing so we're all to nine. do with church leadership. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, I, <laughs> I thought I was, it had to be with like we're all non-binary. I there know. Is no I was male like, there's no male. And like, yeah, I, I think yeah. Th- this is you were talking about. Uh, I mean, I think it was a couple weeks ago. Uh, verses being taken out of context. Like yeah. clearly, this is a verse that is taken out of context, and you can't you cannot read three twenty eight. Well, you shouldn't read just a Bible verse. Yeah. Just let's let's start there. Don't just read a Bible verse. Read read the chapter at least if not the whole book. But yeah, 328 is not saying that it has nothing to do with church leadership. Nothing. Nothing to do with who can and cannot be a okay. pastor. So you guys need to back up as right. to why you're yeah. talking about this. Because again, <laughs> okay. remember, this, so, is, this is January 2023. Yeah. Everyone's got their own world happening right now. Why are y'all bringing this up? Because so, there is a specific so purpose. So in modern culture nowadays, you know, if we go back through Timothy and we go back through Titus, church leadership is built on a man, you know, just like there is a prescription for church leadership. I mean, you, to be an elder of the church, you have to be a man of good standing. Your family has to be of good standing. Well, now they're making a push. Saddleback church is one of them. They uh, have a male and female pastor. You know, that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't think he's there anymore, but he put them into place and they have a female teaching pastor. And it specifically says in Timothy that, you know, um, Men should preach to men. women, should preach to women and children. You know, um, a woman should not preach over, you know, and I feel like we're getting away from that. And the whole egalitarian, it's called egalitarianism. Mm-hmm. So egalitarianism takes, um, there's uh, men and women are equal rather than complementarianism, which says, you know, men and equal, men and women are equal in the sight of God, but we have roles that different we play. Different we roles. have different yeah. roles. So, the egalitarians take this verse and they say, well, this, this verse right here tells you that complementarianism is wrong because we're all the same in Christ Jesus. Yes. When it comes to salvation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which but, is the issue of Galatians. But I mean, we also do, yeah, we also do live in a weird culture, but my wife is the only person that can breastfeed our child. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I can't do that. How dare you? Yeah, Galatians, even Galatians, though I have Gal- but, but Galatians 3.28. What's that? What do you mean? You said you, you can't breastfeed your, your child, but Galatians 3.28 is there. It's there. So here's what... Here's, I still have salvation, even though <laughs> I can't breastfeed my child. Obviously, I say that in jest, but like, <laughs> th- th- like there are multiple verses that people will try to use to, to sway one side of the argument or not. I think, and th- I don't think this is, the, this is the time and place to go through that, um, but I think what is most irritating to me is that 
this verse is used as a mic drop verse. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with any of that. And how arrogant do you have to be to take a letter that was written to persuade a group of people that justification is by faith in Christ alone and nothing else and turn that into it's about me. Political narrative. Your political narrative, like your, what you want. And I think, I think regardless of where you fall on either side of the argument, I think you are doing yourself a disservice and your argument a disservice if you're going to use a verse like Galatians 3.28. And to be clear, Galatians 3.28 is not used by complementarians. It is only used by egalitarians. But it is a, it is a really terrible interpretation and use of that verse. It's the verse that hinges on their argument. Yeah, it, like yeah that's their what argument hinges yeah, they, on they, this they, verse. They think that they can throw that out and it yeah. is a mic drop. And you're missing the point of 328 because that whole this whole group of text is talking about how we are all in the family of god like we are all equal in salvation if we are covered in the righteousness of christ but you've also look at it too did did the jews and greeks stop being jews and greeks did slaves stop being slaves and freemen stop being freemen after this was written no, it all still no. went on. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, you know? and again, that's, that's just how it is completely taken out of context. Yeah. And you know, we are we are we are all robed in the same righteousness. And I think so. Sure, it it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You are still your filthy rags are replaced with with Christ's garments of righteousness. Well, and that's why a man or a woman. Well, or and that's why I think context is obviously context is important like yeah breaking news to anyone that didn't know that already but whenever you see someone take a particular scripture and apply it to whatever they need you to hear because again i thought you're going to be making a joke about there is no male or and female right because if you just take that one scripture out because this is even in modernity even you know well-meaning christians we love whenever our bible verses can fit on a tumbler or on a t-shirt or on a bumper sticker or something no like that and we we forget about the context and how important that context is to everything overall and if you were to take that out and you were an lgbtq affirming you know rainbow flag in your profile picture type of pastor you could look at that and say you see you see whenever i say i'm non-binary look right here even paul even Paul the Apostle, like, you know, like the, the, the great Paul, like he said that there is no male and there is no female. And then they will extrapolate from that all of these other things that weren't meant by this verse. Because obviously, if you read this within the context of not even the entire letter of Galatians, just the first part of it, right? Because again, we broke these up later on in time, so it would be easier to reference. But like around the, just the first half of this letter, you're never going to read that and think, oh, egalitarianism is the way to go. It's like, that's not where we, no one is talking yeah, about that. Right, like yeah. no one at all. And right. that's, that's where context is everything. So like, you know, I had to listen to a pastor on Mother's Day uh, talk about Phoebe and Romans. You know, if you go and look at in, in how Paul talks about Phoebe and Romans and NASB or ESV, she's a deaconess. So she's a servant of the church. Women can be not an elder, not a pastor. She's a deaconess. Well, if you go and read the uh, contemporary version, it'll say leader. It's, you know, and so I, I love, I don't love it. it. It annoys me when I can see a pastor 
sit there and talk about certain verses of the Bible and use ESV and use NASB, use message, but then go, all right, I want to, I want to pick and choose this verse right here to kind of push this egalitarian message and be like, BB was a leader. That's in the contemporary context version. matter. Yeah. Translation matters. Like, it, tra- it all matters. And as you read, look at the context, read yeah. different versions of your Bible. Read ESV, read NASB, read King James, you know, read message. I don't care. Read the passion. Reading single verses out of context can, re- can lead to really bad theology, and bad yep. theology kills people. It does. And, like, again, I, 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 it took me a long time to get there. But, like, if you're not reading your Bible and you, you can't counteract someone who says that, I wrote down this quote. It's by Walter Martin. He says, the existence of the counterfeit predicates the authenticity of the original. If you don't know the original word, there's no way you're going to know what a counterfeit gospel is. There's no way you're going to be able to refute somebody saying that 328 means that gender is non-binary. And or this is, 328 is talking about church leadership. And right. churches doing what they do with 328 is no different than the Judaizers. Uh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, and what they've done to the gospel. Can, so can we just amazing. go back? To when you said people should read the message, I just didn't know. Like, because there, there's think, a lot of great stuff said just there, but like, I was very distracted. I think, I think people should read every, you know, every version of the Bible to get the context of it. I mean, I wouldn't say just read the message. You know, I, there's it would worse. take me 18. There's months worse. To get I did. I did throw out the passion. <laughs> so that one was a little. Bit, uh, that one's okay. a little bit worse. Yeah, the, but, uh, the, pa- the passion is not a translation of the Bible. Yeah. Let's start there. Yeah, like, that's so, not a real. That's not a real and, version. And I will message, die. I will die on that hill. The passion is not a translation I, I, of the Bible. You know, the message is. It's, it, there are some problems. There's problems, the, and I'm not an expert on this. Yeah. but just my small experience in seeing what the message says. There's some problematic uh, yeah. verses in there. Um, I think. For me, the ESV, the NASB, yep. the NIV, those are good, solid translations. Yep. Um, CSB is a good one. Obviously, obviously, kids, they're, they're not, my son is not going to read from an ESV. He's seven. But I think you've got to gradually take them along that path um, to where they, they can read one that they understand. Like, there's a storybook Bible. And it, we're, we're literally learning about this in my Sunday school class, so this is fresh. So there's a storybook Bible. And then you should get them a translation that kids can understand. I think, I think NLT is one of those. NLT is a good one. Uh, for kids. And then and obviously, like, ESV is, is – I, I didn't – I haven't always read the ESV, but, uh, tra- like, accuracy matters to me. I read the ESV to put them to sleep in. <laughs> oh, boy. So, like, hey, well, man, we got a chapter in Romans. Let's go. Fellas, we, uh, we went everywhere in this conversation. Uh, we did eventually talk about Galatians 3, right? We, we did, like, was that something I that think, we actually I covered? we summed up Galatians 3. That's what we were supposed to do, so that's good. But we're going to have to leave it there. But come back next Sunday where we'll dig into Galatians 4. Make sure you read that so you're prepared for next week. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. The only link I've got for you today is the donation link again guys we need your support if you like this content if you like everything that we create on this podcast or anything at undaunted life it's because we have donors that are partnering with us so go to undaunted.life backslash donate that will be in the show notes thank you guys for listening to this episode wherever you're listening to this please subscribe rate and leave us a positive five-star review if you want to come speak live at your event or on your podcast just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life that's info at undaunted.life follow us on instagram and like us on facebook and check out our website for everything else including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way just go to www.
undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.